yet another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Clayton Langlesigich. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Jake Plains. So uh, we have uh, an email from a, a loyal listener, and <laughs> he asked some questions. We're, we're going to handle one of these questions. Uh, so I'm just going to read it real quick. So he says, uh, I once heard Roy mention on the podcast pairing a developer with someone non-technical. Uh, I thought that was crazy, and I've spent a fair amount of time now on different teams with testers who have no background in coding at all, and I can tell you it just leads to frustration for both the testers and the developers when they pair. I get the idea of getting different perspectives, and I support the concept of collective ownership, but is that really effective in the long term? How do you build a cross-functional team with people who lack baseline skills? I think that's a great question. How do you how do you do that? So are, are they willing to learn? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I think there's uh, a, the theme I've been seeing going around a lot on Twitter lately, and maybe more the testing community, is that there's some kind of pushback against this. Everyone needs to be a coder thing, and I think there's also the opposite, which is all the developers who call themselves testers also, or think they have some baseline skill in testing, uh, they don't really, because they don't know what they're talking about, and testing is very important, you don't understand it. So I think there's a little bit of that going on right now, and I think that's worth, um, I guess, addressing. So I think like baseline skills, when you talk about that, in the scenario described, if I were a programmer and I were sitting down with someone who didn't, maybe like they had this QA role, right? And they didn't really know anything about, say, Java or design patterns or coding whatsoever. They had no, no baseline. If I sat down and I'm trying to, I don't know, like ping pong with them or do something like that, I could see that would be frustrating. But I think that's a short-sighted version of what pairing actually is. Well, I also think, like, why, is, why does this only apply to software development like, and having coding skills? How come all devel- developers shouldn't be product people? Right. right. Like, why doesn't this go both ways? Well, you know, yes. software developers, everything's a one-way street. Right? Well, I was going to say, I, I, I did define <laughs> that's that. That's a good software I did define that to be yeah. the case is software developers just want to code, and they just want to code hard stuff, and they don't necessarily want to understand the product as a whole. They want to understand the, the, like how the product works like underneath the hood, but they don't really want to understand how it works holistically. And so I, when I've been successful pairing with product people or with testers, it's much less about the, like, I'm going to try to get you to understand, you know, how to do some method or how to do some, like, d- big principle in, you know, a design pattern or something. And much more about talking about the application from a higher level and saying, what can you teach me about the application that I'm too stupid to know because I'm only ever look- underlooking the hood? And maybe, maybe a metaphor would be, yeah. if I'm a NASCAR driver, I drive the car and, like, I know everything about how this car handles and I'm a mechanic underneath, I, I rely on you, the NASCAR driver, to tell me how the car feels. Like, how's it feeling in, you know, you know turn 10, on, oh, no, on, it's kind of tight, and it feels like whatever, and it's like, okay, I know some things I could try to make that better, right? But if I just tried to work on your car and never talk to you, like, you would probably have really shitty performance as a driver. And, and I, I think that, that testers can provide some of that experience where, like, we're probably talking to the customer a little bit more. We probably understand how the product works from end to end a little bit more. And we can give you some more feedback about what you're doing that you wouldn't normally get. If you're trying to teach me how to be a Java guy and I've never written a line of code, yeah, we're probably both going to be frustrated. So, uh, Jake, we've been working uh, on a team together, all, all of us here, uh, a, new, a newly formed team working on a legacy product uh, that was previously very siloed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was that like when things started to change? Like, how, how did that go for you? It's been pretty awesome. Like, 
knowing what our customers are experiencing and then being able to talk with the team of like, these are the real pain points and then coming up with solutions that help our customers. Like, you guys might not know who they are today, but I've known them for a while and personal relationships. And so it's a two-way street. Like, I've been able to bounce stuff off you guys and you guys have great ideas of like, hey, we could solve it this way and it's really easy. Or, okay, that's going to be a little bit painful, but we understand why it's painful and why we should do it. So you don't just go in a, a dark cave and <laughs> develop something that doesn't meet the needs of the customer. And so you're coming from more of a product side of the fence, even though you, you have a lot of technical skills, but that's kind of what your focus... Well, let's not be generous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Clay. <laughs> and uh, so like, I feel as part of the development team, we've made a huge effort to really be focused on the product side as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Um, how how would we tell our listeners like how to try this and not be so frustrated? I, I think there has to be a little bit of empathy. Like I think that that's that's where it falls down. Is when when you take a task off the board and it's a coding task, and if you're just hell bent on like I need to code this really fast, and you're just slowing me down, jerk face, because I have to like teach you how to do assignment of variables and how to do this and that. I think it's probably not going to end very well. But if we have some empathy of, like, you have something really valuable that I don't have, and I would really like that insight in doing this, and I have something really valuable that you probably don't have that if you understood it would probably be... like. And, it, and if you sit down and you solve problems that way, I think that that is a much more mutually edifying experience. Yeah, I know I've had a great time pairing with Jake on stuff that uh, I'm completely unaware of because I don't know the product or the customer as well because I'm new to the whole situation, right? And it has drastically changed the way that we've solved problems because we've been able to sit and pair and have conversation about it while we're trying to solve the problem, either technically or even non-technically, right? We've, I've benefited greatly from having that partnership. Yeah, I think a mistake that a lot of developers make is that when they pair with people who are not technical, when they know that they're not technical, they feel the need to explain everything. Like, they think that the person pairing with them has to know everything that they're thinking. I need to teach you how to code. Yeah, and it's like, people, the developers are so bad at explaining things in the first place. Like, it's a <laughs> terrible situation. But even, like, I was pairing with, uh, with Jade yesterday, and there was a bunch of times where I could have been doing what he was doing, but I didn't really touch the keyboard, because I was trying to, I put my navigator hat on, and I was looking out for things, and I was thinking about two steps ahead, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was stuff where you were doing things where I think if you... If you were treating me like the typical QA person, you would have been explaining in all this detail about all the stupid stuff you were doing. Which just like, mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to learn something just by sitting here and watching you click around in Windows and do all this craziness. But, like, I don't really care, and I don't want to know the details. And you didn't tell me all the details. But I think that's, that's the kind of thing of, like, okay, now I'm going to go here, and I'm going to add this thing. And the reason I'm adding this thing, and it's like you just go into this massive tree of all this nonsense, yeah. and it doesn't matter whatsoever. But... I think developers think you have to do that. Well, I think like one of the things we say about uh, pairing that is really effective is it brings people that don't have a skill set up quicker, mm-hmm. right, like by pairing. And so I can certainly say with this product, it's a fairly complex product with a lot of interactions with a lot of other products. And um, by being able to pair with Jake and Brian and other, other get- folks on the team that understand how the product works and the legacy and the customer, like now when I'm out talking to a customer, 
Like, I don't feel like a complete dipshit of, like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about or how this works. And, and it was kind of funny. Like, right right before we came in here today, uh, I had taken something off the board, and I'm like, ooh, I, I'm not sure I know how to do this. And I did it. And in the end, I said, like, Jake, I actually feel like I got my big boy pants on today. I was able to do that, and I didn't even have to ask you one time how to do any of that stuff. Like, if, if, if we weren't pairing, uh, you know, outside of the development team, we would probably still be three months away from being able to have that kind of interaction and that depth of understanding of how the product actually works. Like, I think at this point, you know, uh, we probably have a better understanding of this product than some people that have been with the company and had to interface with this product for more than a year. And I think it's because we've been really tightly coupled with people who are not necessarily like, let me get in there and code it, but have a really deep understanding of the product and the legacy of the product and the customer base. I definitely agree with that, and like Clayton was saying, you can't assume that the people you're pairing with know anything about coding or that they want to, but they have knowledge in their own respective area, and that'll help. So uh, I've had a lot of great experiences with this in the past, pairing with people who have absolutely no programming ability. Um, who are very competent people, just not not developers, right? I thank you for talking about me like that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, Derek. Uh, I was trying to trying to work that one around, but uh, no, no. And so the secret that I found is I need to be asking far more than I'm telling. Yeah, that has worked really well for me. I've, I've paired with people who are uh, marketing people and project managers, and you know all kinds of different things that never get down and dirty with the code, but Pairing with them and asking them tons of questions has allowed me to deliver far better solutions than I ever could have, even just pairing with some other developer. Yeah, I mean, I think if you think of pairing less of, like, learning or teaching and more of conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're having conversation about this thing that we're doing, and in that conversation, if it's a two-way dialogue, which it should be when you're pairing you're going to discover a lot of things you probably don't know, especially if you're with somebody who doesn't have the same strengths that you do. I, th I think that works for, even if you're pairing with somebody who has sure. equal or greater technical yep. abilities than you, yep. it should just be a conversation. Right. No, I'm saying that that should always be the case, but right. you're going to get a lot out of it, especially when you have kind of a diverse mindset going into it, right? Mm -hmm. If you have two people that think about the problem and the code and everything the same way, you're still going to get benefit by having that conversation, but you're going to get a much different kind of benefit by having it with somebody who doesn't share all of the knowledge that you have. Yeah, every time I've seen it go bad, it's when I think the person who's doing most of the driving, the technical person, it's like they prime themselves before the interaction to be, this is a waste of my time, or this is really going to suck because this person doesn't know what they're doing, and I'm going to have to do all the work, and ugh, like I can't wait for it to be over. And that's how they enter into the interaction. And then you can't actually have any good pairing or collaboration happen. There's no conversation. There's no two-way right. thing, right? Because you are just trying to get through it because you're trying to just do all the work. You're like doing all the work with this person sitting next to you. It's not pairing at all. So don't have an elitist attitude from both sides, right? From right. Either, either person. I've seen it go the other way, too. Like, oh, yeah. oh, I just got to pair with this stupid person who's going to tell me all this technical mumbo-jumbo. And <laughs> yeah, and I, and I would say, like, uh, maybe in, 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 uh, another way to think about it is if you're the coder in this or the developer in this situation, grab some tasks that aren't development tasks and try to pair with the same person to put yourself whoa, in their whoa, shoe. Whoa, 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 hey, hey. Put themselves in you their shoes coder, and, so. and, and see if you might get different results. 
Yeah. I, I think that is the best way is walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, right? Go, okay. go do the other tasks that they're doing instead of it being all about you yeah, and I, all about being a coder. Make it all about being a team that's working together. Yeah, and that goes back to your original point of it's always that it's always the let's get people to be cross-functional and learn how to code and never the other way around. That's how cross-functionality works, right? right. Just everybody, everybody codes and then that's cross-functional. Yeah, well, I would say a couple of things that I've seen with this is one I've seen when when you, you to say take a if you're in a team that's still siloed and you're trying to get it cross-functional, you take a testing task off. And the developer sits, and they sit with the tester, and they start to do a couple things. Pretty quick, it becomes, why are we manually doing this? Can't we do this? Like, we can solve this in code, which is great, because usually the tester's like, that would be awesome. I hate doing this over and over again. Or they'll say, like, oh, we're going to do this code. And they're like, well, why are you going and doing that? And it's like, well, because we have to test for that. And they're like, no, you don't. And it's like, well, yeah, we do, because, like, what happens when this is set to that? Well, that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it does, because, and then the developer goes, Oh shit! Yeah, this is gonna be way harder than I thought. Like I, I totally forgot that we do that special thing for customer. I forgot, I forgot about the magic number that we use that like flips the switch for that. Where the tester knows it right away because that's the thing that they get nuked for if they don't test for it every yeah, time. Yeah, I saw that happen with the team where they were they were going in and they worked with the testers and said like, "Why are you doing all this?" And they said, "Well, we have to to work around all this other stuff." And the developers like, "Oh my god, I've been doing this to you." The entire time I've been building this app, I've been building it wrong and doing these things that are making it so much harder for the testing team to do. And once they actually started working together, they were able to come up with a much, much better way of approaching that problem. Yeah, and I think the same goes for like UX, UI, the, the same things, right? Like, well, when you do all this stuff, it makes it twice as hard for us to implement. Okay, like, I'll stop doing that. There's an easier way. Like, like, I think that looks slightly better, but if it's doubling the amount of time it takes to implement, like, I'll stop doing that, right? Um, if I don't ever have to experience that pain, like, well, it lo- looks better when I do that, so I'm going to keep doing that. So how far do you take this? I mean, I think you can take it as far as you want. I, mean, I really do. I mean, I, I, I think if you look at why most startups kick the crap out of big companies, it's because the CEO is also the janitor, is also the bookkeeper, is also, like, you know, whoever is there at the time needs to do something, has to solve the problem, because you've only got, you know, three to 15 people for the entire org. They do everything that the org has to do, from customer support to mopping the floors to writing the code. And I, I, I think that that is a huge competitive advantage. When you get to the point where you're like, that's not my job or that's not my role, and you can just say, like, I might not really know what to do, but, like, uh, somebody's pissed off and nobody else is in the office. I'm the only one here. Like, I've got to solve it or our company doesn't make payroll this week. Like, that's a pretty powerful place to be. So it's really about collective problem ownership. Yeah. Not about code ownership. That's right. If, if we Pro- all own the problem together. Well, I would say product, right? Yep. Mike's- well, product is a problem, right? I'm yep. solving a problem yep. for someone. Yep. Yeah. I mean, being like collectively delivering results. I think that's mm-hmm. another way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. If, if we own the outcome or we own the results yeah. together, like... Because I think the, the way I've heard people... Like the detractors to that concept is well, you know, then you're a jack of all trades and you're a master of none, and like I'm an expert, and I mean, it's usually people that are coming from the, like we need experts kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I, I'm more of the mindset of if you've got people who, if you have a kind of like learning mindset or learning culture, and you know how to seek effective help, then yeah, you're gonna be fine. If the PhDs are the experts, and most of the PhDs are often a college somewhere not actually delivering something real, I would almost argue that. More often than not, it's not the experts that actually deliver. Right. If I needed help on how to pay my student loan, I would ask them. <laughs> Become a professor. <laughs> and on, on that note, can't wait to see the emails from that. Uh, There's no PhDs that listen to this. <laughs> wait, you, you guys to believe that degrees are valuable? Wow, oh, wait a minute. Uh, on the next Agile Weekly. <laughs>
right. Thanks for listening. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.